Are you single, dating, engaged? Maybe you're even married. Welcome to the month of love. This is the FYI podcast. We're your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. We're in a series the whole month of February called Love, Sex, Dating, and Waiting. These episodes in this series are presented by our partners at Covenant Eyes. If you want to experience freedom from the shame and the chains of pornography, Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that is so amazing. You can get your first month free with promo code YOUNGADULTS, Y-O-U-N-G, A-D-U-L-T-S, no spaces, YOUNGADULTS at CovenantEyes.com or use the link in the show notes. Yeah, and if you want to take your singleness dating engagement to the next level and bring Christ back into the center, you have an opportunity to check out MicahKennelly.com where you can get your very first leather-bound journal, which is specifically designed to help you center your life around Christ in your singleness dating engagement and even your marriage for your friends who are wondering how you're doing it. You get to journal to your future spouse and give this to them on your wedding night where you get to pray, journal, read scripture, and learn how to fast for your future spouse. It's amazing. Again, MicahKennelly.com while supplies. $10 off, you guys. And here's our newest conversation on the FYI podcast. What's up, FYI fam? Hey, it's Josiah, and I just wanted to give you guys a quick update. Thank you so much for tracking with us on this series with love, sex, dating, and waiting. We have received so much feedback, so many amazing questions, people watching on YouTube, sharing on Spotify, and leaving some reviews. And I just want to say thanks for every question. We answer as many of them as we can. And whether you fill out a form on our website, www.fyi-podcast.com, or drop them in our Instagram account is at FYI podcast. You'll find us there. Um, I just wanted to give you a quick update. Ben, he left this feedback. He said, I love the idea of asking God to help you become the one for your spouse. Lonnie said, this is a pure heart talk by amazing couple with content that applies to relationships and marriage at all ages. Thank you. Loved this. And Lonnie, thanks so much for sharing. Um, The last one, Drifty just shared a prayer request and we are joining our faith with yours. So if you have a prayer request, you can let us know if you have a question. We'd love to hear from you. And we wanted to do something special for this series we've interviewed some great guests on singleness on i mean one our friend josh he he was a porn star and became a preacher and so if you haven't listened to those episodes they're amazing our friends sam and madison they've hopped on and talked about what's life like the first year of saying i do and so much stuff um last night Micah and I had the opportunity to be in St. Paul, Minnesota with a group of college students at a campus ministry called Chi Alpha at the University of St. Thomas. This group is amazing. It's led by Pastor Brent Silkey. And we just loved and enjoyed our time there so much. And what we wanted to do on this special episode of FYI Podcast is to do a bonus episode where we share last night's talk, our message. And you'll notice that the audio levels might just be a little bit different than a normal studio because we're teaching and preaching, uh, I mean, honestly, in an auditorium filled with college students. And so thank you for everything, gang, and check this latest conversation here on the FYI podcast. I love it. He loves it. 
<laughs> He's usually the really squirrely one, and I'm the one that tames him down, but we're here to have some fun tonight, and we're just going to unpack something that Brent asked us to kind of lean into, and that's obviously the series that we're walking in and through, and what are the slides? I don't even know. Oh, I'll catch us up real quick. Catch up. So, I mean, just, it's called Young Middles Today, the ministry that we get to lead. It's very similar to Chi Alpha, and we brought a family picture just because... Um, I mean, man, I get to be a girl dad. We have Aurora, we have Sweet Avalon, and they're amazing. And what I think that I was down here in worship, and I was just reminded of, like, you guys, how God sees Chi Alpha and how God sees you is how I look at my daughters. I, I, if I would have felt this soon enough, I just felt like, man, there's this one picture when we brought Aurora home. She made me a dad. And I hold her, and I have a hat on, and I'm just smiling. And she's smiling back. She's this newborn baby. That is how God looks at you. He totally just loves you. So any message you hear tonight or at Chi Alpha, it's never going to be a shame on you message. It's going to be a shame off you message because the heart of the Father is love. And you know that old school world like dotes, like a, a dad dotes on, on like a, a kid. Like that's what God sees when he sees you when we see our family and then man brent already mentioned it but you might want to check out the fyi podcast i mean when i heard joshua broom our, our friend's story about how he went from a porn star one of the i mean industry's most successful stars in that industry and god saved his life and he redeemed his life and there's not a shame on him message there's a shame off of him message and I just I go man um, so the FYI podcast you can check it out there's a QR code if you want to check it and I think the other thing is just diving into the message and hey let's pray I'll, I'll pray you you preach it kick it kick us right. off okay? okay dear heavenly father I just thank you for every student at Chi Alpha tonight I thank you that this is a family and I thank you to the love that you have for us that you see us that you chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight because you loved us. And uh, I pray that we experience that love and that we get to share that love tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, we love to have fun, okay? So you guys can cheer along, you can snap your fingers, stomp your feet, whatever you want to do, because we just want to have some fun. And we know that on the podcast, we're going to have fun. Like this one, being a Christian should be fun. Amen. And we should be the most attractive people on this earth. Like, let's get real. You guys go to salt, right? Let's be the salt and the light every single place we go. So we're here to have some fun. We're here to tackle a topic you have been asking about. If you maybe haven't, maybe you're curious about. And that is boundaries in singleness and dating. And this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. This is one that Josiah has become passionate about over time and it was actually at a Chi Alpha event that I felt the call of God completely changed the route and history of my life and it was a conference and it was a big weekend where everybody gets together and you probably were there a couple weeks ago in January called SALT and I went to SALT and I walked into a relationship breakout session and I said God if you want me out of the seven-year relationship that I have been in from 18 to 25, then I need to know 150% sure that by the time I leave this conference, you have confirmed it and you will heal any and all wounds that have taken place over these past seven years. And I walk into there, and if you know Brad and Kay Lewis, or if you've ever met them from North Dakota, that's originally where I'm from, and I walk through the door, and she looks around the room with like 500 of us tucked in this room because we all want to talk about sex and dating, right? And she leans over, and she looks at me right in the, like, the fifth row, and she goes, don't just settle. Hey, we're Brad and Kay Lewis. 
She had no idea that God was using her in that moment to call me out and up in love and truth to do what God's called me to do. And in that moment, I felt like a danger went into my heart, and I knew what I needed to do when I got home that weekend. And that was step out of that seven-year relationship that was not prayed over, that was not good and godly, that was not honoring to him, and God wanted to redeem, restore, and offer freedom. God is good. Yes, and I am so grateful that I did that because that took my life on a trajectory that led me into being filled with the Holy Spirit, being able to say yes to Jesus all over again, taking me back to my first love, making him the first and only priority in my season of singleness to become the person God wanted me to become for the person that he had for me later on. And so I am just so excited that you young men and women are asking, you're asking the right questions and you're wrestling with the right questions. And it's whether or not you're going to bow down to culture or you're going to submit them to the Lord. So I pray that you submit whatever you need to submit to the Lord tonight. And after that, I will say that God opened up these incredible doors. The weight of the world that I've been carrying for seven years of trying to drag somebody to church, trying to make them love Jesus. And I'll say this. I was praying the wrong prayer right out of the gate at age 18. Stepping into a relationship that I knew I shouldn't have been in with a gentleman I should have never said, yes, I'll be your girlfriend. And the prayer was, Lord, I kept praying, Lord, make him the one, make him the one, make him the one. Okay, that does not work. What I should have been praying and what I later prayed was, Lord, show me the one. And I knew that, that he was not the one. So God cannot make him the one if he's not the one. So I was like, Lord, show me the one that you have for me and give me eyes for him alone and him eyes for me. So when I walk into the room, everybody else disappears, and that's the only person that he sees, and he's the only person on my heart, and I will not date him before I marry him. So, setting up your heart in a posture. So, don't just settle, and I'll speak to the men right here. This is what God spoke to me in a season of singleness, dedicating 40 days on a fast and 40 days off for over five years. Personally, my story, what I did to prepare my heart for marriage and to prepare my heart for a singleness and enjoy singleness. Right? How many of you wish you were married yesterday? That was me every day up until probably I got married. But really realize that singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift. But here's the thing that God spoke to me. A man of God will lead you, Micah, will lead you as a woman to the foot of the cross, not to the foot of the bed. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just saying, that's what God spoke to me because a good and godly man will seek the heart of Christ, and he will not seek pleasure. Okay? So, I'm just saying, that is something that God spoke to me, and I share it everywhere I go, because there's so much weight that can that, that prayer can carry. Like, Lord, I pray that I marry a good and godly man, that he has eyes for me and me alone. And when you're a man of God, and you fear the Lord, you will fear having to respond to the Lord on certain things in your life. So, leading a woman to the foot of the cross, not to the foot of the bed. So, we kind of just adopted these couple of things. So, Di Josiah, I'm going to talk about the, the boundaries. Do you, want to, do you want to say anything before I move on? Man. Did I, I set Brent us up said, for success? Brent said I don't know. that she can spit fire, oh, and it's true. We have two hours, right? <laughs> but, I mean, there's one other thing I want you to dive into, and then I'll share a thought. But it's just this. It's talk about the difference that you've unpacked of lust versus love. Yes, so I would say love is what can I do for you? When you get married, it is your honor and privilege to serve the person that you're married to in all ways, whether that's a cup of coffee or that's intimacy. Like you get to love them and you get to serve them, expecting nothing in return. Where lust says, what can I get from you and leave you high and drive in front of the next? 
So there's a difference between love and lust. And I will say, even in the season of your singleness, if you're single in the room, and you have a desire, a strong desire, and you know that you know that you know that you want to be a mom, you want to be a dad, you want to get married someday, pray that God would turn any form of lust or idol and he would tame it. Because there were elements of my heart that I had like, Lord, I need you to tame this. Tame this desire of marriage in my heart. It doesn't mean kill the dream and walk away. It's saying, Lord, tame this. And do not awaken it until it's time. So, so good. And we're going to play. Uh, we're going to turn in our scripture to two different places. One is Proverbs thirty-one. The other is First Timothy chapter six. And while you're going there, I'm just going to set up this next portion of the message like this. Has Has Brent uh, taught on this? Because I got this from him, and I want to be clear. I think he got it from another friend, Ryan Scoop. But has he talked to you about the hand? All right, I think this is good. This changed my life, and I'll tell you in a second why it changed my life. When I was in the youth group, this was a message that I showed up on a Wednesday night, just like this, and it just totally changed my life. And Because Brent goes, and I was asking this, like, what should I look for in a future spouse someday? Like, hmm, I've heard that some people have a list, or like, you know, like, what, are, what am I looking for? Like, I, maybe, maybe I'll know when I see her, or like, how does this all go? And it was just as simple as you're looking for five things. And it's uh, made a slide with it, but there's a hand. And each finger on the hand is important. It has its place. The first is the thumb. It's either real quick, thumbs up. Everybody give me a thumbs up. It's as simple as it's either thumbs up or thumbs down on this one. And it's, do they love Jesus? Is Christ at the center of their life? Because if you want a healthy Christian relationship, Christian is that part where it means Jesus is at the center and it's the opposable thumb. It impacts every other area of your life because like, oh, they're great with finances. Do they love Jesus? Like, oh, but they're really attractive. Do they love Jesus? Like you want you, somebody who loves Jesus. Um, And the second thing is your compass finger, like your direction, you're going somewhere. And I think you're going places and you're becoming someone. And so I would just say with that, like, what kind of direction, like, what, pay attention to their course in life. The third finger, I won't raise it without, like, the other fingers up, because in American Sign Language, you can communicate really well, but I don't endorse that. I'm, I'm, you know, like, that's not how we roll at Chi Alpha or a loving family, but you can communicate with the communication finger. That's the middle finger. And so, but, but like, if you talk to married people or just anyone in relationships, it's like, what do they say? Over-communication. Like, you, it, I don't know if it's possible to over-communicate, but people communicate verbally, non-verbally, texts, calls, email. do they ghost you? Because I don't think it's very Christian to play games or to be ghosting. It's just like, we're clear, we're kind. It's, it's we communicate. And how they communicate in singleness is how they're gonna communicate. It's, it's people are painting a picture. The commitment finger, my dad was a jeweler when I was growing up. So fun fact, he designed Micah's wedding ring. And, but it was, it was like this idea of like commitment. If you're gonna put out a ring on somebody's finger, it means you're committed to them. Like you forsake all others. So they're not just like an option. They're not just, you know, keeping, keeping you in a, a holding pattern. No, 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 like it's like this is, I'm committed to you, you're committed to me, and you want, some, you want to find somebody that's committed. And where culture goes first is where I think Christians actually, it, it has a part. It's just like, 
when I was talking to our friend Jonathan Picludo, I, I shared these five fingers and he's like, oh yeah, it's like if you had to lose a finger, which one would you choose? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd probably say pinky. <laughs> Because, I mean, you want to be able to function. so and, and so, like, chemistry, like, attraction, that plays a part. It's just that's not the lead story. Jesus is the lead story of a relationship. So that's what you're looking for. And I think that another friend, Ben Stewart, he um, is at Passion City Church in Washington, D.C. And he, he goes, he was on a podcast we do called Young Adults Today, and we made this slide for him. Um, and, and he just said like singleness, dating, engagement, marriage, the reason, the reason why so many people are unhappy is they don't know the job description of their season. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I'm like, Ben, break down those four job descriptions. He goes, singleness is about devotion. At the end of the day, Jesus was single. We were all born single. And our job as an individual person is to be devoted to our savior. Like we have an opportunity as college students to grow in our faith, to find out what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. Dating is actually for evaluation. And I get it if you're like fact checking me for a second. It's like there's no examples of dating in scripture. They were arranged marriages largely. The culture was different. Dating is more of an American westernized concept. But what you do see a lot of in scripture is evaluation. Mm-hmm. Proverbs I mean, you read the proverb that says it's better to live alone on the corner of a rooftop than to live with a a quarrelsome wife. He is not writing to a married audience. He's like, dude, young adults, evaluate. When you are dating, you've got to evaluate. And so like for us, People are sometimes like on the podcast, what's a good length of time? And it's, it's not a prescription like you need to date for exactly. No, no, it's like date them through the seasons at least. I just think that's a good rhythm of rule is like in Minnesota, some of us have seasonal like downness or like we all need a good dose of vitamin D. So see, see them through the seasons. And I think there's just a lot of wisdom in that, especially in the state we live in. Then engagement is for like... Um, essentially like merging two lives together. Um, just on the next slide, if we can. So it's singleness is um, for what? Union. Dating is evaluation. And then engagement is about union. And then ultimately marriage is about mission. You want to be on mission in marriage. And I think that just helps a ton. And so you want to just bring it to Proverbs 31 for a minute. Should I go over the three T's first? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, before we kick it off the scripture again, um, one thing that we've talked about, if you listen to the podcast, you probably already heard this element, but there's something that God really downloaded to me when it comes to dating. People are like, what are the boundaries? How do I navigate those? How do we have tough conversations? The three things we really want to evaluate, and I personally would prescribe, is looking at time, touch, and technology. Number one, time. How much time are you spending with the person that you're interested in? What times of the day are you communicating? Do you spend time with your friends anymore? Do your friends even know you exist? Or have you dropped off the face of the earth just because you're in a relationship? Evaluating the time element and aspect is huge because there could be some red flags, some green flags. There could be some yellow yield. But really evaluating 
just how much time are you spending with that person on all fronts and what time of, time of days are you doing this? And I would say even with time, a form of a boundary for Josiah myself without him knowing it, we didn't start dating until I was 27. So I had to go back and really like surrender everything to the Lord and like relearn what good and godly dating actually was and what actually looked like scripturally. And so I literally had to set up times that I would not respond to him past 10 p.m. I wouldn't text him. Why? Because the 10 p.m. Micah becomes very vulnerable and I say things I don't mean or I overshare or I'm just... I don't know, I'm not overly emotional, but I'm just like, very unfiltered is probably a good word. So I would say, past 10 p.m., he's out of my house, and I had a roommate, so I had a built-in roommate, which was accountability built into the system. So there's time, there's touch. What physical boundaries do we need to talk about even before we're in a relationship? Is holding hands an option? Is making out an option? Is not a good time in the back of a seat of a car to start evaluating and asking, what are our boundaries? And so just really having those difficult conversations and maybe even going back to like the 14-year-old rules your parents might have set for you from curfews to time, all those things. And then technology, really realizing, are you texting this person? Are you sending things that you would never say in person? Are there pictures involved? Is there an addiction that you might have in your own personal life? What are you doing in the darkness of your dorm or wherever? Because there's some that we carry around in our pockets every single day that can be temptation on any and all fronts. So what are we exposing ourselves to through technology? Because I will say, the things that we do in our singleness, we will take a majority of it, a majority of it into our marriage if we do not tame it, tackle it, and allow God to redeem it in our singleness. Because... That's just the way it goes. So just breaking down those barriers of time, touch, and technology and evaluating. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? And what does this mean for the person that I'm dating? And if you can't have those tough conversations right out of the shoot, oh, man, they're probably not your person. I'm just saying, not how's the weather. It's like, how's your soul? Like, that's how I am. Like, how is your soul? Like, I do love Jesus. Like, is it evident? Uh, how's the weather? Yeah, it's cold out today. The end. Okay. But it's really moving on to like those deep, meaningful conversations. And I'll say this. Josiah and I do marriage mentoring all the time with amazing young couples. And the people that we've talked to who've been married 30, 40, 50 years told us that they said, you guys have deeper conversations than we have ever had in our marriage. And we've been married for 40 years. And we are only in the first seven years. And this was like the first probably three years of marriage. So the conversations and the communication that you're willing to put forth is essential because you're being your best friend. I hope they should be your best friend. But it looks at Proverbs. We're going to look at Proverbs. And I'll tell you one thing, Josiah, you're going to kick it off with Timothy because I remember being single, running around telling everybody that I was looking for a 6'11 man. And everybody's like, you want to date an athlete? No, not an athlete. I want a 1 Timothy 6'11 man. Okay? They thought it was very Praise God, there's hope for me. Because I'm like, I've, I've got the five, almost 11. <laughs> Who's she's at? Uh, five, <laughs> but, uh, man, yeah, First Timothy 6.11, it just says this. And this is Paul writing to his son in the faith, just somebody he cares deeply about. Picture a Brent writing to Josiah in the faith. You know, picture somebody who loves you, somebody who cares about you. And, and this is kind of like a final charge. And he goes, but you, man of God, and we think Timothy's single at this point of his life, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called when you are made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I think that you, you get to one point in verse 11 where he says, flee from all of this. And in the section before that, it's talking about the love of money, self-serving leaders, um, the, the love of money being a root of all kinds of evil. And I think broadly, you could even just say pride. Because C.S. Lewis said that pride is the sin that made the devil the devil. Some theologians will even argue that like pride is at the core of every sin. Because it's us choosing our own flesh versus the desires of God. And so I think that what he's talking about is flee from all of that. Flee from pride. Flee from the love of money. Flee from self-serving. And, and like pursue God. And I'll just read it with that in, in mind one more time. Like He's calling him a man of God. So he's speaking to his identity. And he's saying pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith love, endurance, and gentleness. And uh, just today, I was at the post office and there's a family of three that was in, uh, they were actually coming in behind me, but I let them go ahead and I got the first door and it was a mom and two kids. And then the son, he got the second door for all of us. And I go, bro, you're a gentleman. And he's like four years old. But, but I mean, I, I look at the next generation with optimism, with faith, with just encouragement to see the good that's happening in our world and the, the power on a, a college campus of potential. Remember the five finger slide? I'm just going to go back to that, Ruthann, for one second. Thank you. So I told you when I showed up to youth group, I heard a message like this one that changed my life. And it was the five fingers. And so I was like, okay, so that's what a man of God looks like. That's what we're looking at is wisdom, Proverbs 31, 1 Timothy 6, 11. And then I go to work. And if I remember right, it was like that same weekend. So picture like a Wednesday night. And then I think it was the same season, probably a Friday night or Saturday. And I go to go up to a couple of coworkers and they're having a conversation. They turn to me and they go, hey, which one of us would you rather do? Like, who would you rather be with? And I'm like, oh man, like, uh, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> because I'm like, I, I just like had this life-changing message where it entered my life. And I'm, I'm like, I want to honor God. And I want to honor you as a, a young, young woman. Like, I, like and, and that's where it's like, it just changed my life. And it changed how I viewed, Abby, your testimony of how you, how you closed it of like seeing God right seeing ourself right, and then seeing our brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters in Christ, like those three things, coming back to what you said there, it's like I had one of those moments where God got a hold of my life, and I just think that that saved myself and other people a whole bunch of heartbreak mm -hmm. from just hearing, uh, like in medicine they say an ounce of prevention is worth a gallon of cure. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's redemption too, like, one of the things Levi Lusco said in his book, Swipe Right, is that, um, it, like, this is just so powerful. Is, is he said this, Samson's hair grew back. And so there's always redemption, like his strength came back. And so and, and if there's sin, it's not a message of shame on you. It's just a message of shame off you. And so that's 1 Timothy 6.11. Yeah, and to park it, um, a Proverbs 31 wife, and you may have heard this and you may feel like this is 
I don't know, overemphasized if you've been in the Christian faith for a long time. But I just love starting in uh, Proverbs 31, verse 25. And it says, she is clothed, clothed with strength and dignity. She has, she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all of her hands, what all of her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And why I love that element of Proverbs 31 is why can she laugh at the days to come? Because she does she, two things that even Brent talked about already. She knows who she is and whose she is. And I just want to speak to the woman in the room. When you know who you are in Christ and whose you are in Christ, and you know what he says about you, you will view yourself differently. You will treat yourself differently. You will be able to look in the mirror with integrity, knowing that you are living a good and godly life, even if there is not a man who's not going to ever complete you, but that God might have a man who's going to compliment you somewhere along life, because a man is never going to complete you. He will always compliment you. And that is not just, your, oh, you're beautiful compliments. That's saying, hey, my skill sets might be these and yours or over here, but you will you will just come along and compliment each other from your time, your talent, your treasures, just your abilities around the household and your, I don't know, just all personalities even. And why can you laugh at the days to come? Because she is preparing. She is preparing. She knows what's going on in her own home. She knows what's going on in her family. She can laugh at the days to come, which when the enemy comes and we want to run the other direction, we can laugh because the enemy's tactics, they're still the same for thousands of years. It's just he's trying to attack a new way. And one thing I would I would encourage you to pray that I started praying years ago when Josiah and I met, right? That we had kind of challenged each other with this question. And if you're single, dating, married, engaged, whatever it is, and if you have that desire or not, that's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we all have an opportunity to lean into pride, like Josiah said, and submit to our flesh instead of to the spirit. So you don't have to answer this question out loud, but here's a question to ponder. If you were the enemy, how would you take yourself out? What is your weakness? Because that's the tactic of the enemy. So if you think that it's the same thing over and over and over, for me, in my singleness, it was the distraction of men because God did not, or the enemy did not want me praying and fasting for my future spouse and living a pure and holy life in singleness. So he would bring men to distract, distract, distract. And I went to school at North Central, and I'll share a short story and we'll keep going. But I remember I was praying and fasting, and I feel like God had already given me a dream and a passion for Josiah before I even met him. I had a dream six months before I met him, and I believe that God still can use dreams and desires in our heart. And I went to, uh, by noon, one day on a Friday, I had five guys ask me out. Started at 7.50 a.m. Hey, I'm called to missions. Mike, I can't see that you have a call of God on you too. Can we get coffee? Thank you, but no thank you. Like I could say literally no in that moment because I know who I was and who was I was. And I was praying and fasting for my future spouse. And if you know that deep in your soul, don't say yes to something you should say no to. So by the time noon came, I called one of my friends and I go, Nate, I have five guys, no burgers, and no fries. And he's like, oh, my God, I suck to be you. And I'm like, it does. 
And he's like, that doesn't sound like a main problem to me. And I remember hanging up on him, and he called me back and apologized. He's like, Micah, I feel like God has already shown you your spouse, and I'm glad that you said no to all five of these guys. And I hung up that phone. I was so appreciative. I had a brother in Christ who saw me for me and not as a potential future or an idea, but respected me enough, knew and respected Josiah enough behind the scenes. And that was a tactic of the enemy because I knew when I started asking myself, if I were the enemy, how would I take myself out? The distraction of men, the confirmation of, you know, or the compliments of men asking me to take them out here, there, and everywhere. So when you start praying that you start functioning and you die to self, Lord, I don't want this lustful thing, tame it. The enemy is going to come knocking on your door. But if you know what that weakness is, when that door knocks and the enemy's there, what you say, not today, Satan. Nope, Lord, you got that door. You, you knock that enemy out and throw him back to where he belongs because this is not the way he's going to take me out. So when you start declaring victory over your purity, your mind, your soul, the pornography addiction, the secret addictions behind the doors, when you start calling those things out, you become a bigger threat to the enemy. Why? Because you're actually doing something for God's kingdom. And the moment you start living on mission, for mission, and you can laugh at the days to come because you'll be able to identify and see the enemy coming a mile away. Instead of a sneak attack, because if we're not living for the Lord, then we're obviously living for the world. Mm -hmm. So we can identify those things and start identifying what the enemy would do to take us out. When he comes, I could laugh and be like, thank you, but no thank you. You're so brave to come and ask me out. And it's not being rude to the guy. It's just saying, wow, you demonstrated bravery. Thank you. You're going to make some woman happy someday, but it's not going to be me. Bye-bye. <laughs> like, it's okay to say no. And same with the guys. Like, it's okay. So when you start praying for your future spouse, one thing you should do is pray, fast, journal, read the Word of God. And that's the journal that we're going to announce at the end. And it is a journal designed specifically for you to journal to your future spouse, bringing Christ back in the center of your singleness that you give to your spouse on their wedding night. So you get to tell the story of your singleness to your spouse, and they get to uncover it on your wedding night and read your heart, your tears, your prayers, whatever you got for that person. So, And that's what she did for me, and I had no idea. She had been journaling, she had been studying scripture, praying, fasting, and then um, she handed me a journal on the night of our wedding in a box, gift, opened it, and then over the next series of weeks, I could read, and, and I'm, it's like I'm getting to know my wife and her heart, her her tears on the pages, her heart on the pages. And we, we just share with our community that story. And we ended up taking it to Kickstarter. It was a successful Kickstarter launch to do leather-bound journals because it's timeless. You could be a guy and give it to your future spouse. You could be a girl. Like, it's, it's timeless and it's leather-bound. And it's um, just one of the coolest things anybody's done for me. And so we brought those. Um, yeah, you can give it up for love. <laughs> I think just how we'll close tonight is we're going to ask a couple questions. So if the worship team could come, this is how we're going to kind of wrap things up. And I heard Craig Rochelle say this quote. He said that comparison either causes you to feel inferior and bad about yourself or superior to others. And we've already talked about pride tonight. And neither of those honors God. And I also heard this story about a little girl who lived on a farm and she looked out the window and, and it was springtime, like not Minnesota spring, but like springtime, springtime. And the green, the grass started to pop, the, the, the leaves, it just, it was green. Like Kunming, like Kunming green, like beautiful green. 
And uh, what ended up happening is she, she noticed that like there's this sheep because they lived on a farm. She saw this sheep and she's like, wow, that white sheep looks so white and it just pops on that green, on white. And then it started to snow because it's spring and instead of raining, it snowed. And then she realized like, hold on a second, that white sheep actually looks really yellow, mm. off-white, almost brown. Same sheep, different background against green, Man, it looks white. Against the white of snow, it looks so dirty. And I think that's our lives, right? And I, I think that you can either look at like the world and like, oh man, I'm not as bad as that person. And then you start to feel good about yourself. Like I'm not doing what my roommate's doing. Or man, I, at least I didn't do this. And then all of a sudden it's like we rank sin or we feel superior to others and, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. And we could also look at it and, and look at like God's blameless. He says, be holy as I'm holy. What Jesus did is he took the law, which said don't commit adultery. And he, Jesus words, not my opinion, but Jesus taught on this topic. And he said, if you even look at somebody with lust in your heart, it's the same. You've committed adultery with them in your heart. Like Jesus didn't like lower the bar. He actually raised the standard because God says, be holy as I'm holy. And so this isn't a try harder message. The cool thing is the gospel isn't what we've done, but what God has done for us. And Isaiah, the prophet, what he says is so powerful. He says that though our sins are scarlet, they're red. And he's talking about the the coming Messiah who would make our sins as white as snow. And I think that's, my friends, the gospel. So we're going to close with these questions. Pastor Brent's going to come and close at the very end. But here's the three questions. The first is the question of the gospel. Like, is your life devoted to Jesus? Maybe you've never considered or weighed that. I think it's one of the most significant questions that could be asked is, who do you say Jesus is You have an opportunity in just a few minutes to make him Lord and Savior of your life. The second question is just what do you need to surrender? I mean, it could be an idol. It could be a time. It could be something unrelated to the message of relationships. But you're like, the Holy Spirit's hitting me tonight. And that's not even what the message is. But I know I need to surrender something to God. Great. And then the last one is what do you need to invite God into in your life, in your heart? And so... I think the worship team is just going to do one last song and we're going to pray. Um, Mike is going to pray just as the worship team comes and then uh, we'll do the drawing after that. Well, Lord, I just thank you so much for every single student here tonight. I pray that you'd go before them. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you would just pour your spirit upon them, that they would just feel your love, your peace, your presence, no matter what they're up against, no matter what they have to surrender, no matter what part of their heart is not devoted to you quite yet. Lord, I pray for utter surrender on all fronts, God, to the fiber of their being. May they know and desire relationship with you, community with you, um, conversation with you, and intimacy with you above all else. So, God, I pray that you you would even take us all back to our first love tonight, that you would remind us who we are and whose we are, God. We are your children, and it is an honor to be called your children, and may we never take that for granted. So God, as we reflect, would you just convict our hearts, our minds, our souls, Lord God. I pray that we just dedicate our bodies as an offering to you, God. They They are the temple, God, that you've given us to steward. So I pray that we would steward the temple from the things that we see, the things that we hear, the things we partake in, the things that we eat, how we dress, how we behave, how we speak 
the name of Jesus everywhere we go. God, I pray that we could be a light in any dark room, that we could be a watering hole for anybody who is quenching, needs their thirst quenched. So God, I pray that we could always point them back to the heart of Christ. So Lord, thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for calling us home. Thank you for reminding us that we are your children and God, we just get to serve you. So Lord, whatever needs to resonate in the hearts of any young adult here, I pray that you would just penetrate and God, take an ice pick to the heart if there's ice that's been developed, Lord God, that you say that you would take the heart of stone, God, and make it a heart of flesh. So God, I pray that you break down the barriers. God, if we're stiff-arming you and we're longing to be hugged by you, but we're playing games, Lord God, I pray that we just let ourselves be and let you embrace us. So God, I thank you for Pastor Brent. I thank you for the team. I thank you for every single person represented here in their families. Just be with them. Give them supernatural strength as they try to com complete their studies, as they try to manage and balance all the elements of life right now and all the uncertainties and unknowns of future. God, I pray that you would just bring peace. You are the Prince of Peace. And God, may we not worry because worry is wasted prayer. And God, we find our faith in you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode. If you want to rate, review, subscribe, and let us know how we're doing with this podcast, please do that wherever you're listening from, and we cannot wait for our guests next week. Micah and Steph McDonald will be joining us, so don't miss out, and be sure to catch up with what's going on.